Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Fan Fuel Motorsports Podcast, the podcast where fans feel talk about motorsports. Tonight is episode 90. We're almost to that 100 episode mark. It is all out to 2023. 2023 is upon us. Racing season is upon us. We're going to talk about the clash tonight. We're going to talk about Daytona 500 tonight, and we are going to talk about our hosts, winners for every single 36-point races in Cup, as well as our way to early predictions for this playoff season. We are waiting on a couple of guys to get in, but first off and foremost, it is myself alongside Colton Cranmore, and we are here. How are you doing tonight, Cole? I'm bitching. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's my off week, and uh, I was really excited last night. I did some uh, stuff on Fan Fuel Gaming while everybody was asleep, apparently, because nobody tuned in to my Bathurst 12-hour practice. Uh, our iRacing guys are going to be doing the 12-hour of Bathurst on iRacing this Friday. I'm going to start the car off, and then we'll go from there. So... That race starts at night. It's going to be hella scary trying to drive Mount Panorama at night. So, any plans for you this weekend? Um, I'm probably going to go to work on Saturday um, for a few hours, just get some OT, a little bit extra extra change before the racing season. Um, I did this last weekend. I got a new desk. I know y'all can't see my desk, um, but it's a nice, small, compact corner desk. It's not the big executive desk I had before. Thus, okay. new camera angle, so you can see more of my – my useless yeah. stuff that I've accrued on the walls. Yeah, I gotta get I gotta get to Home Depot or something and get some shit to uh, to to hang my stuff up because I'm looking bare over here. I got the I got the Alpha Prom car piece right there. I got Dale and all his holiness above me, and that's it. But I've got like thirty something flags. I got <laughs> the new Denny Hamlin um, window net that was race used that I hope you guys saw on our TikTok. Uh, I got this really cool piece from from Hobby Lobby. Uh, there's no day oh, like dope. race day. It's fucking, it's fucking great. I gotta put that up, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun to actually have a space of your own. I'm not used to that. The uh, the only bad thing about my new desk, and you'll you'll notice it in the episode whenever I go hit the keyboard and move the mouse or anything, is it's not very stable. Um, so anytime I I lean on it, it kind of <laughs> kind of moves. So project this weekend is evening out the fucking desk. Uh, we should get some motion rigs in uh, in the fans. For the fans, so that they can uh, wobble along with you. Yeah, um, I do have to ask. Okay, so I see behind you um, the the roval uh, as well. You got a mirror and stuff. Who is that framed jersey back there? That is a Bryce Harper jersey from the 2013 um, MLB Home Run Derby. Um, I bought it. I'm a diehard Nationals fan. That was one of the few jerseys I've ever bought. And actually, I didn't even buy it. I got it as Christmas present. Um, but it was so cool. I never have worn it. Um, just it stayed in a shadow box. I thought it was cool as shit. That's pretty cool. Uh, obligatory fuck Bryce Harper, but yeah. No, I I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Well. Uh, so 2023, we are waiting. Um, we are waiting uh, for Keith to come on. Nathan is probably not going to join us. He's got a lot of homework. Um, they're kind of getting towards that midterm season already being in February. He's trying to get everything done because he is going to Daytona next week, of course. Uh, and then Jared 
the dude's is he's he's at a casino somewhere. Is he in Vegas? I I don't know where Jared is most of the time. I don't either, but I, I saw him in a casino, and I'm like, hey, you know, chime in from the casino. We want to hear the bells and the whistles. Um, all right. Well, uh, before we get really into anything, I guess we'll go through Splash and Dash. Uh, that seems to be the quickest thing to get through. Uh, so let's do that. Uh, first off and foremost, Eli Tomac continues his dominance of the Supercross series despite a bad fall in last week's Triple Crown event. Uh, he went out there, and, out, out, there, out there in Houston and kicked some ass. He he started fading pretty early, and then Chase Sexton started catching him, and he just said, no, nah, kid, this is my shit, and he, he wound up going from uh, about a half a second lead to four and a half seconds over uh, – over uh, Sexton there at the end. Um, it was record attendance at the Bathurst one or 12 hour uh, this past weekend uh, with 53,000 people hitting Mount Panorama. Uh, and they got to see Valentino Rossi, Rossi MotoGP star, uh, finish sixth after uh, an oil leak early in the race. Uh, Sun Energy won Mercedes owned by former NASCAR Xfinity Rigger. Kenny Hobull won the race for a third time in a row seeing their main driver, Jules Gunan, win the event twice as, twice in a row, as well as last year's Spa 24-hour, last month's Rolex 24 uh, at Daytona, and that's that's arguably made him the greatest GT3 driver in the world right now. Alltech Raceway rained out on Friday, but Ricky Thornton solidified the Lucas Oil points lead after winning Saturday's A-Main as a part of Georgia, Florida Speed Weeks. East Bay holding the Winter Nationals at the moment. Um, and the rest of the week, uh, at the moment, as in they're live right now, and the rest of the week until this weekend. But Monday saw Tyler Erb bag night one of the Winter Nationals alongside Tuesday winner Ashton Winger. Going over to the sprint car side of everything, the All-Star Circuit of Champions season openers two nights at Sonoma Raceway uh, were rained out. For the second year in a row, as the, as Tony Stewart series ramps up for its version of Georgia Florida Speed Weeks, currently going on in Volusia tonight and heading to East Bay this weekend. So that's your splash and dash. We'll go ahead and welcome in Keith Merrick. He's here finally, uh, and he's wearing a Kyle Larson shirt. So he's, he's I am. Ready. Are you on your phone this week, or are you uh, on a computer? I'm on my phone this week. Well, you have a massive improvement of setting up because your setup is so much better than it was last time. Oh God, yeah. I uh, last time I had a entertainment center, Funko Pops, a laptop, and the phone was propped on the laptop. And now I actually have like a tripod that's got a whole ring light on it. I'm ready to rock. Keith is ready for 2023. Yeah. Hell yeah! Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome <Let's> back. <laughs> yeah. How have you been? This is your first show of the year. Oh, man. been living the dream, man. Just been waiting for racing to get back back going full time. Uh, I know we just had the Rolex. I know uh, had the Bathurst 12-hour, you know, so kept some tabs on all that. And, of course, we had the Clash at the Coliseum on uh, on Sunday evening. So um, certainly getting ready to, to get back into full swing of, of all things motorsports. Right. Well, uh, I think Colton – uh, are you ready to start off Walker Joke? We're going to go straight into the clash with this one. LFG. All right. So first and foremost, Ty Gibbs' car goes up in flames during practice. The team says the exhaust one wasn't mounted correctly. 
joke. The hell is this? We I thought we fixed the fire problems. And it, how how the hell do you not mount an exhaust correctly before you send a car to LA? Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything. And the fire was in the goddamn car. It wasn't outside the car. It was like he could have touched it. Like that's bullshit. That this shouldn't be happening. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree 100%. It is joke. Um, especially after all of the lambasting that Kevin Harvick did last season, especially after Darlington, um, you would have thought that a lot of these issues, anything fire-related, would have been resolved at this point, whether it be uh, the rubber buildup or, I guess, poor exhaust mounting. Um, these guys get paid a significant amount of money to make sure that this stuff gets put on correctly and done correctly. You would think that it gets done to tip-top shape. Um Definitely glad to see Ty Gibbs walk out of there with no injuries, uh, considering how deep that fire went through the cockpit. Um, but yeah, definitely joke. That's that's not a good way to start the year. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go joke as well. Um, I mean, really, nothing more that you guys to say. Uh, we saw this at Darlington. We thought it was gonna be fixed. I don't know if maybe it was because they had the wet weather package on. And I don't know if they've got rain guards on the front tires or whatever, but I mean, come on, it's a practice session. This shouldn't be happening. Um, if indeed it was an exhaust problem, uh, that mean that tells me that they didn't get enough uh, practice in in uh, Phoenix with the exhaust. If it's not, then um, I think that they probably just uh, didn't bolt something correctly or or, or whatever, because it looked like the foam on the sidewall uh, melted. Uh, yeah. So, like, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a mystery to me of what exactly was going on, but I don't I don't really – I, I, don't, I don't really know. Like, I saw someone on Twitter point this out that this if – it, if it is an exhaust mounted incorrectly, um, this is coming from a Gibbs organization, someone who is – the whole team is super meticulous on how they put the cars together. Um this happened at the Clash, which was an incredibly small track. He was probably only going about 50 by the time he really stomped the brakes to pull over. Um, what if this happens at a big track? And I don't mean just Daytona, Talladega. I mean Vegas. You're talking about a lot of time between when this starts to when they can actually pull over, and that fire spread damn quick. I don't see that being a problem because we didn't see any. Well, I guess Darlington is a bigger track, so right. Maybe never mind. But um, I don't know. My biggest thing is how long it took them to get to him. I know it's a you know a tiny track, and they've only got you know two or I guess three areas where they could exit onto the track. My th my whole thing was how long it took him to get there. Why did the onboard fire extinguisher not do shit those are my right. two questions yeah 100 agree i mean there's still issues which is obvious from week one right all right and with that practice uh we had ty gibbs not being allowed to qualify because they changed uh parts um i mean they changed parts that weren't allowed to be changed woke or joke i mean woke I'm always for upholding the rules. Um, I know this is a kind of a, a special circumstance, but if it is an error from the team, you got to punish the team. I think all things considered, I go joke. 
Um, you know, we build a racetrack in, in, in a, a football stadium. You know, we go all the way out to Los Angeles so we can have a couple concerts and beat the shit out of each other. Um, I think you should be able to qualify even after a situation like that. Um, I'm all for upholding the rules. And I believe there's certain aspects that should absolutely be upheld. Um, but in this particular case, we're having fun. You know, we're going out all the way to, to Southern California, trying to branch out a brand new market. Not a brand new, but to put it in the middle of Los Angeles um, is it, pretty darn brand new. And um, you know, we're trying our hardest to, to make sure that everything is fun and innovative. And sometimes you can let loose a little bit. And um, in a situation like this, especially, I, I think that not going to say it would be best to let them qualify, but all things considered, let them qualify. Yeah, I think I'm going to be on on the same sort of uh, track as you, Keith. For me, you know, like you said, we're we're all the way out there, but we're, what are we all the way out there for? We're all the way out there for an exhibition race. Um, let them go. Like, what is qualifying really doing anyways? I mean, you saw guys, you know, go up and down the leaderboard in those heat races, but we are doing heat races and LCQs and stuff. What's the harm in him going out to qualify? Justin Haley, uh, for example, got the pole uh, and wasn't, you know, hands down given the win of heat one. So I, I just um, – what's the point? I – why are we encouraging gray areas? Well, because we're NASCAR and we put out rules that say, hey, if you go through this pit box while this driver's here, you could get a penalty. So – NASCAR is right. all about gray areas, baby. This, I mean, this just seems like another one. Like, I get it's an exhibition race on it, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But also, like, qualifying doesn't matter. Fuck him. He doesn't get to qualify. No, well, I mean, okay, so I get it, but also it's just an exhibition race. Let him qualify. That's, I mean, no, I get like, it. It's not for points. If it was for points, go ahead. Totally agree. Whatever, you know, he, he broke the rules even though his car literally burnt to a crisp on the right side. Uh, but it's an exhibition race. Like, what does it matter? Like, even if he went to a backup car, let him qualify. Throw him at the back of the heat. I don't know. Just we'll just have he's to gotta he's gotta he's he's gotta he's gotta shake down that car after they rebuild it because it's got new suspension and all this other shit on it. Two laps isn't enough to do that, but it's something. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Um, heat three transfer move by Kevin Harvick. Woke. Ten thousand percent woke. <laughs> this is the only moment in the race that got me to stand up off the couch. The entire, the only moment in the entire broadcast. Um, just the patience from Harvick was incredible to be able to sit back there, not just you know hammer down in the corner and hope to wipe both of them out, um, which he. He tried to move them both the corner before, which inevitably set him up. Um, but just the amount of patience it took to be able to slow down, run the line, you know, hug the corner, and then throttle up and still beat Chase off the line. Damn cool. That's short track racing. I mean, I can't disagree. I'm, I'm all woke. Um, thought it was absolutely badass. You know, that's what these fans came out to see. Um, when you look at all of Heat 3 as a whole – Truex coming up through the field from sixth, the crossover moves with him and Kyle Busch, and then you have the beat and the bang between Harvick and Elliott, which 
even if you're not a NASCAR fan, I'm sure if you're a sports fan, you probably saw it at least once or twice, the whole Bristol situation back in 2021, the whole Roval situation back in 2021. And to have not necessarily it revamped, but for it to not die out um, and to still have that excitement where it is a drag race to the finish, I thought it was so damn cool um, to see all three of those drivers duking it out. And for that one final transfer spot to, for Harvick to, to show the veteran poise that he certainly certainly has, it, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Uh, it's funny that you say something about the uh, the rivalry there. When I got on Facebook uh, and Twitter during the race, uh, I, for some reason I am in a Chase Elliott fan club um, Facebook page. One of the guys that knows that I like racing just invited me. And even though I have not been active one day, I'm just in there. So the first thing I see when I pull up Facebook during the the transition from the heats to the LCQ is, if Harvick wants a war, he'll get a war. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. So Chase Elliott fans, when when Harv did nothing, are already already on his ass, even though it's his last season. Um, Oh, it doesn't matter. Chase Elliott fans are still mad about what Denny Hamlin did in 2017. They don't yeah. let anything go. Yeah, that's just what it is. I think obviously woke. I mean, you guys said it was a move of the race, move of the move of the event, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the coolest thing that we saw all day, and I wish we could have seen more of that in uh, in the feature under the lights. And I wish more people were to been there to see it, but uh, apparently we don't advertise heat races. Uh, but anyways. Um, yeah. We had a concert um, at halftime and I think before the LCQ with um, Cypress Hill and then Wiz Khalifa as the halftime concert. What do you guys think of these musical acts coming in? 10 out of 10, 100% woke. I mean, the I, I hear the whole, the country argument all the time as well. NASCAR fans like country. Well, that's not true. They like all kinds of music, right? Um, but the country acts that people want to get Namely, the people I see bitching on Twitter haven't been relevant in 20 years anyway. So, so like it's we're in the same LA. thing that they're complaining about, right? With, like we're with Cypress Hill. Let's get some LA music up in here. When we're in the South and we're playing, we'll get I don't know whoever sings "Dust in the Bottle." That old fucker. We'll get him to sing, right? But LA, like, let's get some active groups out here. Let's get people that show up for the concert and maybe become a race fan afterward. This is an exhibition race. It don't mean shit anyway. I mean, I'm fully woke. I mean, I think it's cool that you're going to have artists that are true to the area. They're true to the times. You know, Cypress Hill, that that absolutely pings with some old school fans. Wiz Khalifa, a lot of the young fans like that. Um, this is, it's no longer enough to just throw the cars out on the track and attract fans. That's not it anymore. You need to have other sources of entertainment, whether that be a pre-race show, whether that be pre-race activities, a halftime show. Um, And I know it's just the exhibition event, but to have just them be there, be present, be around, like Young Gravy. Young Gravy was there walking Mm -hmm. around with Noah Gragson. That's cool as shit. You know, like people enjoy seeing these entertainers out there and having the chance to go and meet them. And, you know, it's, it's an experience all in itself, you know, then like there's people who grew up on Wiz Khalifa music. I'm sure there's some older folks that grew up on some Cypress Hill music and they may have never had the opportunity to go to a Cypress Hill concert or a Wiz Khalifa concert, but Hey, they got to go to a NASCAR race and got to watch them 
perform. And, you know, that's how you're going to pull people in. It's no longer just a race that you have to worry about. Sure, the on-track product is very important, but everything around it needs to also mesh right in together. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So obviously I'm going to go work as well. First point that I wanted to make was you guys that are complaining about this, um, live in my world. I'm a metalhead. I have not seen I've not seen any of my favorite bands at a at a race concert ever. I saw Foreigner and Leonard Skinner at Atlanta way back in the day when we were still nationally relevant. I've seen no name country artists countless times and it bores me to death because I'm just not into modern country. Um this year uh, this past year in 2022, I got to see Flo Rida and I got to see Nelly at Atlanta, July, and and the Roble. And I was happy with both of those because I love, I love both of those artists. Um, so why is it okay for me to sit here and have to endure this shitty music that I don't like? But it's not okay when you do it. Um, so first of all, fuck you. Uh, there's a vast amount of different people with different backgrounds in the stands, sometimes you're just going to sit the hell down and shut up and listen and get what you get. Okay. Just hands down. I'm not going to sit here and complain to you that, you know, Oh, well, Luke Bryant's going to be at the 500 for the third year in a row, blah, 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 whatever. I'm, I, I'm just going to say, okay, that's cool. I've seen Luke Bryant in concert. I could tell people the country artists that and I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Whatever. You know, um, Cypress Hill was announced and I was fucking stoked. Cypress Hill is, you know, uh, a group that was an influence on a lot of my favorite bands coming out of the LA area. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, Beastie Boys, Fever 333, all those all those groups and, and stuff like that came from Cypress Hill. I was, they're relevant because their music still influences music today. Uh, Wiz Khalifa, not from LA, but high school football was lit when I was in high school because Wiz was putting out all these songs. We, we rebranded black and yellow to blue and yellow because we were blue and yellow. So, like, I was stoked to have both of them. I mean, and if if you're bringing new fans in, shut the hell up. Right. Like, just get over it. So, and I, I, I got to say, though, even if you don't like the act, you got 30,000 fans that are sitting there watching them. That's a hell of a time <laughs> to jump down the stands, grab some of the concession stand, and come mm-hmm. back up in time for the race. Absolutely. Shorter lines, man. Why are you complaining about that? Yeah. Yeah. And then when Fox was showing the crowd, everybody was into it, except for the people right behind Wiz. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was pretty funny. Uh, No, I think it was a great event um, uh, to have have that. You know, we don't get halftimes at any other event in NASCAR. Why not do it for an exhibition? Do it at the All-Star, too. Have you a country music artist born and raised on – fucking Carolina cornbread at your all-star race, you know, do that. Let's have the hip hop guys out in LA. It only makes sense. Yeah. All right. So continuing with the celebrity uh, part of the event, uh, Gwen Stefani was in the booth with Clint and Tony and kind of Mike. Woke or joke? (laughs) You know, I have, I can see both sides because I get what they're trying to do and, you know, Gwen is obviously engaged to Blake Shelton. Um, he, he is a diehard NASCAR fan, right? Um, so getting Gwen in not only brings the eyes of the people who are maybe just watching on TV, um, just as background noise because there wasn't much else going on, but also 
it kind of brings a little bit of relevance to it. Um, and again, it's an exhibition race, so it's supposed to be fun and kind of laid back. Um, but she also was horrible and pissed Clint yeah. right off, which I thought was about the funniest thing that happened all afternoon because I get Clint's Clint doesn't want to be known as the drinking guy anymore. Right. The guy that's just right. hammered all the time off camera. Um, to be fair, I can't blame him. And she mentioned, you know, Clint's wasted and it pissed him off. It was pretty funny to watch. Yeah. I mean, I go woke with the idea. I go joke with the actions. Um, right. I, I, I was, I had secondhand embarrassment watching that. And I was like, Ooh, man, I, I, I appreciate the effort, but good Lord. It was just, you could feel the tension. <laughs> you could feel how awkward it was. You could feel how, how, how pressured it was. Um, you know, and she's up in the booth in the middle of the race and, you know, asking questions and, and, and being curious, which is cool. But, Outside of that, there was just nothing materialistic that could have come good from that. Um, it was just really awkward. And while I do appreciate the uh, the, the the try, <laughs> it was just really weird. I was not a fan. Yeah, for me, I'm woke on on the idea of her bringing up being up there as well. It's a small world situation because you know you've got this huge pop and punk artist. Uh, up there who knows a driver who hangs out with a driver um who's who's whatever you know as a part of the 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 whole picture when it comes to fandom and all that stuff that's you know that's why we're here we're here to talk about fans and racing and shit so i'm excited i love love gwen stefani as well you know i you know i grew up listening to that stuff but like come on you are engaged to Blake Shelton. You have been to numerous NASCAR events. I've got to go joke on her for not knowing what the fuck was going on. Like, come on. Like, yeah. that was just a disappointment. I was like, oh, she, she's been to so many events. She's going to know exactly what to say. It's going to be nothing. And that was just, like you guys said, it was just, it was awkward. Um, can we, we don't have it in the notes. Can we touch on Dakota's comment real quick? And just yeah, we can start, do a woke or joke on that. Just start the whole shit on Fox season. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, broadcast was horrible. Um, I it, Again, it's an exhibition race. It's supposed to be a little bit laid back and fun. Um, but they weren't, other than Mike Joy and Tony Stewart, once in a while, they weren't really calling any of the race. Um, they were just kind of chit-chatting. Um, the camera angles were absolute ass for most of the event. Um, the, re the full screen replays were a fucking killer because they'd show a replay oh, and then miss God. something and then have to bring back up another replay to show what they just missed because they were under replay and then miss something again and have to show a replay because of something it, – it, just a fucking rabbit hole. Um, the, some of the camera angles were cool. Most of them were garbage. Um, I would like to have seen more than two cars on the screen at any given time. Um, but if this is any indication as how the season is going to go for Fox, it is going to be another long year of no play-by-play -play calls um, other than from Mike Joy, who is, let's be honest, he's getting up there. Yeah, um, he he's not quite as quick and as witty as he once was, which is fine. Um, but I'd like to see Clint get a little bit more professional in the booth. Uh, he's getting there. He's still not a play-by-play -play guy. Yeah, I, 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 as, it's it's terrible. It's so sad. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I was just going to comment on, on your last – your last note there. Uh, I think Kevin Harvick's going to fix that next year. 
I fucking hope when, so. when he's in the Xfinity booth, it's it's very good. Um, so yeah, go ahead with your Wilker joke on the broadcast, uh, Keith. I just want to sneak um, that one in there. Definitely a joke. Um, it's just frustrating because these guys have been in business with NASCAR for over two decades now. I mean, shit. They they were in an era where, you know, you had Dale Jarrett and Jeff Gordon and Rusty Wallace, and now you've gotten to this point. You would think that they would have progressed and, and gotten better and better, you know, and, and Mike Joy, he is carrying this thing on his back as much as he can. Um, the two-man booth, I don't like. Uh, it's just there's nothing going on. Clint doesn't really have a lot to offer. He's funny. And like you said, I think Kevin Harvick's really going to add uh, a, a good amount of intelligence. He's raced the car. He's won in the car. Um, he can offer a lot of insight. And he's a lot more professional than Clint is, in my opinion. Um, camera angles. There was one really, really cool one where they had like an overhead shot of all mm. the cars pulling off the pit yes. road. I thought that was so sick. Um, but more often than not, what you see all of the time is this all of the time for no reason. <laughs> Just like that, I, I don't understand why that. Like, I'm, I, I, I see the sponsor. I see it. <laughs> like, I, I don't need you to to do an up close shot. Like, I, I would like to see the rest of the field. I, like, I don't need to see two cars battling for seven laps in a row, and you know, you you miss the other nine cars beating the shit out of each other in the back of the field. Um, and then there was also one part that really, really pissed me off. Um, second LCQ, watching the race, and they cut to commercial. It's like a 15-minute race, and they yeah. cut to a full-screen commercial. Yeah, with 20 laps to go. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 13-second laps. Like, and it, it, like, I can get it. There was a caution, big wreck. We got to make sure that we clean the track up. Let's go to full-screen commercial. No, middle of a battle that's going to decide who gets into the main event or not. And wrote a commercial. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I will say, though, that Tony Stewart, I'm very, very glad that we have him back um, for, for, for Daytona as well. Um, he adds such a good amount of flavor into that booth. Um, really, really enjoyed him up there. And certainly counteracted with, uh, with Clint's goofiness all the time. Um, but overall it's just, and, and then the medal ceremony, how do you miss the medal ceremony? Like yeah. this is, this is the first time we've ever done a podium in NASCAR history, whether it's an exhibition or not. And you see them getting up onto the podium and you don't see them getting the medals. We have to go onto social media for NBC to go and post a video of Joe Gibbs racing's guy posting a video of it. Are, are you serious? That's how I get to watch the medal ceremony. This big ordeal that you guys have made, and you don't even show it. I yeah. I understand there's time limitations, and you guys have all these different things you have to abide by. But come on, come on! It, it's just it's it's getting so tiring, and like it, it's just it's not the same Fox booth that it was five years ago. You know, yeah. it's just it's really it's sad. Yeah, um, man, you you unpacked a lot there. I will say, uh, obviously, joke. I mean, come on. I mean, I know Dakota's probably just been here shaking his head the whole time at, at what we've said because I mean, it, that's that's all you can do. I mean, you have a quarter mile track. 
Um, and, you know, uh, Colton, you've seen races on the quarter mile in Atlanta when I was flagging. Mm -hmm. You can't miss anything. Right. I mean, it, it's it's all right there. And yet we missed the majority of all, what, seven races that we had. And it, it it's embarrassing because I can't learn anything. So how am I going to teach a new fan that's watching with me? Uh, because I can't see anything. I can't be like, oh, well, he's back in his corner up to this because all I'm seeing is the onboard shot. Um, tail on board, nose on board, roof on board. That's all we saw the entire time. Um, another note that I had, um, just as a minor note, what the fuck was up with Bubba Wallace's camera? Um, until, until the main event all weekend, practice qualifying heats and else, or well, he made it through the uh, heat and his heat race, the, the sync for the audio was off. You mm. heard the audio before you saw the video for his car only. How did they let that happen? After the first six-minute practice, they should have had that finish, finished. They had what? Well, eight-minute practice. So they had 16 minutes to finish it to, before he got back out on track. I don't understand how that was a thing. Um, they need to check dude's hard drive, um, producer dude's hard drive, because he's still popping in on kids every single time that they go to commercial. Why? Um other fans are in the stands having fun. Um, as long as Dalton Good's not there, you're not going to have anybody cussing on screen. So just right, that's fine. It might be Dalton's fault that we saw all those kids last year. Honestly, it do we do we think about you know, that? You know, do we think about that? Um, Alex, so, just stop talking because you just brought up a great point that Dalton Good may have ruined Fox's broadcasting, cutting in and out and cutting after Rex. Dalton Good we, may have fucking ruined that. He's the reason that we watch all these damn kids. I guarantee it. I'm um, going to send it. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. So uh, Dalton Good, uh, God fucking damn it, uh, is why we I, see I, these kids. I will say this, though. I would much rather see the new generation of fan than to watch any driver's wife do this for 30 laps in a fucking row. That's well, you know, that's the NBC I'm thing. I'm so good. I'm so good without seeing <laughs> Kim Burton cry over any time Harrison Burton makes a pass. I'm so good without seeing Samantha Bush up on the fucking box looking around like a meerkat looking for Kyle. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I would rather see the new generation of fan than to see the moms and the wives have these adverse reactions to this shit. That yeah. is that is a good point too about the Samantha Bush thing because every time they pop on to either one of the wives or like Harrison Burton's mom uh, they they kind of catch themselves on TV and then frantically look to see what the fuck's going on because they're not really paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know they're trying to create drama. That's what they do. Yeah, over there, at NBC. Uh, and we have Nathan in the house. Uh, Nathan, we are talking Wilker joke right now, and right. Uh, it is for the broadcast, just overall broadcast uh, of the weekend. Wilker joke. That's a joke. I, I was in a different, I was in a chat during the, the heat races, so I didn't really hear anything. But once I turned that off for the main event, I was not impressed. Yeah. Um, I watched the pre-race thing, the Clint, that was, it's getting old if it's going to happen, what, 16, 17 times a year. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to have to go jump on that one. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so we were talking about stuff. Another thing with the, with the camera angles and stuff, I was seeing a lot of people angry about that way more than usual on Twitter about we're, we're missing battles and stuff. So maybe, maybe they'll, they'll see something about it, but they'll fix Fingers it. Crossed. Maybe not. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, all right, so uh, this one is my personal uh, 
edition here. Eight car, 50 lap LCQs. Walker, joke. Joke. Make the LCQs 10 laps. If you want drama, let's not let the field get strung out. Let's make it 10 laps. Shoot out. Don't count yellow flag laps. Let's see what happens. If this is going to be a shit show event, let's make it a shit show event. Let's see it. Um, I, I guess I got to go joke. I mean, I, I think an eight-car field is, is perfect for an LCQ. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you it's not not too congested. It's not too crazy, but it's just enough to get the right amount of chaos if you lower the laps. You give them 20 laps to go battle around that racetrack, I promise you. You're, it, they're quick. Quick lap times. 20 laps is going to light a fire under everybody's ass. And if you're going to sit here and say, this is your only shot to get in, go for it. If you get 50 laps, you know, at that point, it's kind of just like, all right, we got some time. And that's what everybody said on the broadcast. Oh, they got 50 laps. They got some time. I don't want fucking time. I yeah. want them to know this is crunch time. You got you out of you. You have to make a move. This is a you know, last like, like, chance qualifier. Yeah, like, like like this is like if I'm watching a plate race and and they're just like ah oh, they're a single file they got plenty of time. No motherfucker, I want eight laps to go. I want them to know they have to make a move now. So twenty laps, eight cars, sign me up. Yeah, I think I'm gonna somewhere in the middle with that. I think I'll go Joe just because I think fifty's too long. But then I also think that. If it's 10 or 15, it might be a little too short for the guys in 7th or 8th to really do anything without just running somebody over, getting a caution, running the next guy over, getting another caution, run the next guy over, get another caution, if the caution lines don't count. So I think that probably like 25 would be my sweet spot. That's fair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go joke, but I think 50 laps is fine. I think the problem is that we have two of them. Um, if, you, if, you say, if you say top three get in, 50 laps. Period. You know, uh, tag that 50 to the main. Start the main just a little bit earlier. Do not count caution laps in the second uh, the second 100 laps. Count caution laps in the first 100 laps. But here's the biggest change. I think they should get one set of tires for practice qualifying, one set, one set of tires for heats and LCQs, and one set of tires for the mains. That's it. I think that would make everything better. Everything no provisional. Solid. No provisional. Yeah. But, well, uh, yeah. Or, we're all pretty much joke on that. I, I find it interesting that you guys want less laps. I'm not worried about that because I thought there was just not enough cars on track. That's fair. That would, I mean, ultimately achieve the same goal. You wouldn't have yeah. Elliot kicking rocks in the field, right? Um, yeah. You would have the, the two really, really fast guys that are going to dust the field anyway, duking it out. Um, the no provisional, I would be perfectly fine with. Um, or let's just not send every car out there. And let's make it 250 laps of pole winners and past winners. Um, you could still do all your heats to, to figure the starting order. It'd be the same thing. You could even do bonuses for the heats, you know? Yeah, well, the charter system probably is is the is thing between us and that. B.J. McLeod ruined that event. He did not. <laughs> that man was so good at just not being in the way. That's like, what he's done um, his whole career. Right. He's, he's like, really good, good at that. Not he, is the, in the way. he is the the greatest NASCAR lapped car in the in history of NASCAR. Like, like that, that dude should, knows exactly be, what he's doing. There shouldn't be a greatest lap driver in NASCAR. You should be able to go out, show up, and not I'm not saying go out and win the race, but you should at least be competitive. Don't be the only guy that gets lapped nine times at a fucking race in Atlanta. Like, come yeah. on, dude. Like, oh, I mean, the equipment's something. a little handicap, I think. I, I love the charter. McLeod. 
Y'all, y'all can, y'all, he's Take got the charter. Charlie. He's out there. He, he, he's doing, he's doing better than I could do. So, like I'll, 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 I'll say the same about. thing about him as he, I said about Matt Tift. Like Matt Tift didn't get in the way. Like I was okay with him. Yeah. For but the let's, well, I mean, let's quit setting him up. They on the car together. Take so his charter sense. away. Sell it to Dale Jr. Why? No. <laughs> yeah. No. You don't. You don't want to do that. He's, he's a legend. He's a legend. He's so out there. If he doesn't wreck good, nobody. Like, he doesn't wreck his shit. He is the definition of a field filler, and I love it. Let him we don't fill have a field. We don't have ass hats out on the on the racetrack. I love let it. him fill a field. He's gonna come out and do the same shit anyway. Just cut <laughs> his schedule down a little bit. Nah, nah. Let him let him get the money. Him, he, he's put not him in Dale Junior's car. Fuck it. Let's see what he can do. Put him in the eight. Okay. Okay. He was a pretty good uh, late model driver back in the day before he got in NASCAR. But I mean, I, I love say, that he, guy. He's miles ahead of Winhouse. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, probably the next point uh, for Woker Joke uh, was driver intros for the main event. E. I like that they televise them. I don't like the 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 team thing that they tried out. I'd like to see a little bit more highlight on each driver. Um, there's only 27 of them. What's going to take six minutes at most? Um, let's get through all of them. The, the fucking jokes were horrible, but I get it. They're pre-written for a guy who doesn't know anything about NASCAR. Um, I could, I could get through that little awkward minute, but I'd rather see jokes about each individual driver. Um, give me an Alex Bowman hat quote in there. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go joke. Um, one of my favorite things growing up about watching the bud shootout and the sprint unlimited is the entire field walking out on stage together. You got all the steam guns coming out. You got them walking through looking like a bunch of badasses. And that just would have been so sick to see the entire field walk out. And, you know, if you sit there and, and if you line them up backstage and they all come out in, in, in driver order, you know, you go from left to right, you get to introduce each driver. They step up, they wave, they walk back, same thing. Um, that would have been really, really neat. Um, I, I don't know logistically how, how well that would have worked, but, man, it would have been cool to shit. Yeah, I'm with Keith on this one. Like, I'm joked for the current intros, but I would be all for it if it went back to that because I thought it was cool and it kind of highlighted the exclusivity of being in the main event with all the guys being on stage. So I think that that should be the thing they do going forward. Now, I'll go joke, but uh, for a little bit different reasons than you guys. I like the team aspect. I thought that was really cool. Um, but we're listening to some dude on some shitty shit sitcom that Fox is, is putting out that's going to be gone after a season and a half anyways. I don't want that shit. We're in L.A. Why the fuck don't we have a NASCAR fan doing this shit? Kevin James, Adam Sandler, Charlize Theron, uh, Brad Pitt, people that may not still watch NASCAR as much as they used to now, but people that used to be very, you know, vocally NASCAR fans. I mean... Come on, we, we've got actors that we can put out there to put another big name into this show and to, to, to introduce drivers who they actually might know a fucking thing or two about. I don't know. That was my biggest thing. Those jokes were terrible. Um, the usual Kyle are. Harvick. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, come on. Or if like, we're just going to have some shitty celebrity do it, like, let's let Wiz Khalifa do it. Yeah, he's I mean, already there. Yeah. Right. Young Gravy. Should have done the driver intros. Mm. To be fair, at the Roval, Nelly did it. 
after his concert. Nelly, oh, Nelly brought everybody else. He doesn't know anything about NASCAR, and he still did a better job than this pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Like, all he did was read name cards, but he made that shit, like, <coughs> action pack like you would It's, it's like Nelly, man. Match. Yeah, or fuck it, show. fuck it. It's it's a WWE match of a race. Get fucking Vince McMahon out there. He's he's on your Fox Network for wrestling, anyways. Yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. It was. I liked the team aspect. Why did you guys not like that? I think I would like to know. I think it's just because uh, they didn't highlight the drivers more. They just kind of yeah. spat off names and kicked them off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of about it. It it was just it was it was rushed. Um, it, it, it wasn't. It didn't have the feel that I that I think they were going for, of having that that team aspect. Um, I, I think they were kind of expecting it to be a little more exciting, um, and it wasn't. And that's that's completely okay. You know, like this this entire experiment is just that. It's an experiment. You're testing shit out. You're seeing how everything works. You know, I was listening to to the teardown, and, and Jeff Gluck did his, his tweet up. And um, he, he said that 90% of the people down there were, were Southern Californians, you know? So, like, you're catering to people who aren't coming from all around. You're catering to people who are in that specific area, you know? So do what works best, and that's how you'll pull these fans in, is you, is you do what you know works. I can agree with that. All right, well, uh, I guess we'll move on to the next one. Uh, this one's kind of funny. Todd... Gilliland does his best bulldozer impression. Woke or Joe? Woke, and I've got a conspiracy. I think he was let – we've heard the news um, about him not getting that full-time ride and instead splitting it with Zane Smith, right? I think he was told that right before the race and kind of said, fuck it, either let me make this main um, or I'm going to wreck everything in sight. Just kind of like driving like a pissed-off teenager. I thought it was great. I mean, shit, I'm going woke. You know, like <sighs> – if, in fact, he was told right before the race, hey, I know that we said you're racing the entire season. You'll be the first driver in the 38 car to be back-to-back seasons as a full-time driver since David fucking Reagan. But it, it's just – it's the clash, man. You know, like sometimes you got no other option. And, and, and what they've done is these cars are so similar. Um, everybody has a notebook now. And – there there was no way that you would have had the product that you had last season, last season, six cautions, five cautions, I think it was. Um, And everybody kind of minded their P's and Q's for the most part, because of the fact that you can get around other cars this year. You couldn't do that. This year was very, very different. And it definitely put on the calamity for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm perfectly fine with it. I mean, it's it's a non points race even the drivers are like, we don't really care if we win or lose. So they're pretty much just there for enjoyment at that point. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of had to go joke just because it was him so much of the time. I was like, come on, guy. Uh, come on. Like, like Ty Dillon. We saw, yeah, the Ty Dillon from last year, that that was what he he, he had to replicate it, I guess, because Ty wasn't, wasn't doing so with the Spire car. Um, I don't know. We... We saw a lot of people doing bumps and getting through there without spinning people. Um, so it's just he lacked the finesse. If you can't do it right, don't do it at all. So I'm gonna have to go joke for that one. All right, 16 cautions over the last over over four from last season. 
and I believe there were only two of those in the first segment. So it was all just 75 laps uh, and 14 cautions for uh, segment two. Um, I'm going to go joke. Let's call it what it is. We had like 14 of those cautions within just like a 10-lap period, um, which was painful. Um, I agree with your statement earlier, Alex. Like, If we're going to do it like this, let's count caution laps up to a certain point. Um, I, I didn't like running a lap if we got a lap in and there's being just fucking calamity and then it taking 10 minutes to go back racing. I thought that was actually the worst part was we could have a single car spin or two cars, maybe get together and it would take 10 minutes to clean up the track, um, just to be able to go racing again. Um, I get it. This is the bull ring that they want. You're going to have bump and runs. You're going to have guys getting spun out in a bull ring. It's just like Bowman gray, but let's put a time limit on it at least. Um, just so we can kind of keep the show moving because I'm sure there's a lot of fans that were hyped after that Wiz concert halftime, got back racing, and then it just kind of seemed like we were getting kicked in the nuts every, like, 10 minutes for, like, an hour and a half after that. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm going joke. I-, I think coming right out of the halftime show, you have all this excitement. All right, let's get back racing. And six cautions and 11 laps is a little excessive. Um, the drivers kind of had no regard at a certain point. Um, they were just diving in. They were driving in. Um, I mean, they were just using the chrome horn to the nth degree. Um, I, I really wasn't the biggest fan of it. There should have been a little more vigilance. And there also should have been more vigilance from NASCAR as well, in my opinion. Um, they, they proved that you can spin on your own, you can get a little tap, you can spin around and get back going, you won't throw a caution. Anytime a driver got 90 degrees sideways, caution. And even if the car got rolling again, caution. Um, I, I think there should have been a little more vigilance with it um, instead of just being hovering over the button waiting for it to go. But that's just me. But I, I think overall, the drivers definitely kind of tame themselves a little bit when it comes to like, Bumping, I'm all cool for, but just don't be a douche. Yeah, that was a joke. I mean, I think they kind of figured out that stadium racing is inherently difficult to pass in. So I think this year they went into the mindset of like, well, whatever we did last year didn't work, so we kind of have to start driving through people. So I think that's kind of what you saw. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. For me, I think <clears throat> I think – Obviously, the amount of cautions is a joke, but I feel like if it was spread out throughout the whole event, it wouldn't have been a problem. It was just right. all at the same time. Um, my thing is, why isn't NASCAR on the radio saying, hey, clean your shit up, uh, unless they just 100% wanted that, even though that just means that they're tone deaf to the retention of, of viewers at that point. Or two, um, this is something I've, I've thought about you know, just in general for NASCAR at short tracks, you have a, you have a three strike shroud rule. Um, your third incident, you, you're, you're gone. So why, why wouldn't we have that? You got 27 cars on track. If the same guy gets in an incident three times, booted. that's on you. Also eliminate half the field after fucking halftime. That'll make the first half even more entertaining. And then we have less cars to fuck around and find out on, on the second half. I don't know. Um, I think with that, you would just shift the cautions from right after halftime to right before halftime. I guess, yeah. Like, you just see complete Hail Marys. 
Yeah, I guess it's a lose-lose situation unless they just put their foot down and start parking people. So Right, that's uh, honestly what it's going to take. Yeah. Um, and for the final woke or joke, this is not really woke or joke, but uh, as an event, um, we'll go practice to the checkered flag in a medal ceremony. Uh, overall grade? Um, I would give it like a solid like B minus maybe. Um, I know saying maybe at the end doesn't make it very solid, but it was it was okay. It's really good to kick off the year with. Let's get the shenanigans out of the way. Let's have our fun. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's not the the quality of the racing is leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, but let's get up. Let's have our fun. Kind of stretch out again. See some cars on track. Um, let's get some drivers good and pissed at each other first week, um, which it did just that perfect amount of it. Um, it was just the execution was a little off. Um, that was about it. I mean, I'm going B plus. I mean, from the track build, I mean, they made that thing perfect. Um, the way that they presented everything was awesome. All of the promotions that they put all around the track um, from you know Fox social media pages, um, they did an excellent job making this thing um, very well promoted. Um, and as far as the racing product is concerned, unfortunately, the way that everything kind of worked out, it was going to be bumper cars. Um, the cars are, are just so, so similar. They figured everything out. They have a notebook on everything now. And it, it was just going to be one of those situations. But what I will say is the fact that if there was probably not that little cluster of cautions, um, in the first 11 laps of, of, of segment number two, um, I'm sure the fans would have loved to see, you know, a, a spin or two here and there. Um, I know that I don't have much of a problem with seeing seeing some shit go down, and I know for a fact the casual fan absolutely enjoys it. Um, but from the the way that they, they did everything, the heat races, the qualifying, the LCQ, the half halftime concert, um, everything all in total, I, I got to give it a B plus. I, I, but the broadcast probably brings it down to like a B. Yeah, I think I'll go with Colton's B minus because I think that it's it's you have to remember it's more of an event than it is racing products because I think that there's not really you can't really make such thing as a perfect stadium race it's just physically impossible but I do think that the broadcast and whatnot they they could have done a lot better. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go and bump up a letter grade for you guys uh, A minus um, just because I had fun the whole time. Um, I wasn't. I didn't really mind the 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 cautions in that second half, just because I knew it was going to happen. Uh, however, if I'm looking at it from a new a new a new uh, fan standpoint, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not I'd come back. After. Um, these guys look like idiots, and they're doing a demolition derby. Or hey, these guys really don't. You know, they have a no holds bar attitude. So um, I think if they race this hard now, what's it going to be like at a really fast track where they're going 200 mile an hour? You know, I don't know as a new fan whether or not I would be retained from that, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm glad NASCAR's back, and that might be my bias is just because it was the first race of the season. I enjoyed it. I think it went off pretty well. Entertainment-wise, everything was good except for driver intros. So, I mean, perfect. Yeah, I think new fans, like you said, are either going to say – Man, these guys look like idiots. It was just a demolition derby. We're never coming back. Or man, these guys look like idiots. There was a demolition derby. That was cool as shit. One yeah. of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's it's kinda shitty, but you know, it's kinda not. So moving on from the clash, unless anybody's got any final thoughts on it. Uh, let's go ahead and get ready for Daytona. 
Um, so I want to kind of go, uh, we released our picks for um, our open cars. Let's go over the open cars and see kind of where everybody's at, who they expect uh, to do what, um, as in, you know, who you who do you see not qualifying through the duels and who do you see finishing well enough? Uh, first and foremost, you got Jimmy Johnson in the 84 car. Austin Hill's taking over for Gregson in the 62. Travis Strana, 2311 car and the number 67. Zane Smith is going to be taking the 36, I believe, for Front Row Motorsports. Chandler Smith in the 13-4 um, college racing. And Connor Daly uh, will be running his first Daytona 500 after a few starts with the money team last year or the money team in the 50 car. So uh, I'll start with uh, Keith on this one. Uh, who are you uh, feeling like is not going to make the 500? And where do you expect everybody else to finish? Because I'm pretty sure that 84 car is going to be uh, your top pick. Um, Believe it or not, it's actually not. But oh, okay. um, as far as drivers, uh, is it one? I think it's two drivers that aren't making it. Two drivers won't make it. Um, I think Travis Pastrana is going to be one of those drivers that doesn't make it. Oh, wow. Um, I think that just the brand new race car, totally different package than what he raced in the Xfinity series. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a different animal than, than what he, than what he knows as far as everything's concerned. Um, and then I, I, unfortunately I'm going to say that Connor Daly's going to be the next guy that goes out. Um, I think that he hopping into a stock car is awesome. And I think this would be a great step forward for him. Um, but you know, the reason why that 50 car ended up going into the 500 last year is because Kaz Grala, he is a Daytona race winner um, with yeah. the truck series. Um, so those are my two guys that I feel are not going to make it as much as I would love to see them make it. Um, I think the only on the fencer that I would have would be Chandler Smith. And I would probably swap Pastrana and Smith um, if, if that comes down to it. But as far as drivers that I think are going to do really well in the 500, um, I really got Austin Hill, man. He, he impressed the shit out of me last year. He went, he he won the season opener at Daytona. He he won in Atlanta, and he damn near won the July Daytona race if he didn't have issues. Um, he was at the front of the field for every single one of those events. And Beard Motorsports is no, they're no stranger to being at the front of the field running well. At plate races, Brendan Gaughan damn near won the Talladega race in 2019. Um, so Austin Hill is definitely going to be a guy that I have finishing top 10 in the 500. Okay. All right, Nathan, I'll let you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I think everybody's going to say it, but I, I do think the 50 is in real danger because I don't see a way that they qualify on speed. I think they're going to have to hope that they get lucky in the duel. Um, I know last year they probably – well, last year actually was interesting because the MBM car was so slow that the 50 got a speeding event on the under green and still passed it to make the race. So that was a complete, that was a complete circus of an event. But I think that at the end of the day, all of the open cars except for the 50 have a good chance at making it on speed because, like Keith said, the 62 is not slow on these tracks. I think that 2311 will have good equipment as always. I think that. Legacy will give the 84 car a good chance at making it on speed. I think that the 13 can get it on speed. And I think in years past, the 36 has made it on speed before. So I really don't know one of those guys will be slower on qualifying, but I think that all of them could race their way in through duels. But I think it's kind of a, a toss-up as to who qualifies in. 
Colton? Yeah. Um, I I don't think Connor Daly's going to make it just because he doesn't have a lot of experience doing this kind of racing. Um, I think Greg Biffle is going to miss it as well. Um, I think Pastrana gets in because he's at least raced this kind of stuff before, and I know he's going to be in a rocket um, just based on how the Toyotas run at these plate tracks. Um, I know they don't qualify very well, but I know they run really well with the pack. Um, and I think he's going to be able to take advantage of that. Um, Jimmy, is there any question as to whether or not Jimmy's going to make it? I think he's not only going to make it, but he's going to put out a good showing um, in his equipment. Yeah. I think Austin Hill has a damn good chance at winning a duel. He is a fantastic plate racer. Beard Motorsports doesn't show up to these plate races with anything but halfway fucking rockets over here. Um, like you said, Keith, they're no stranger to running up front at these. They build fast cars, and I think the only reason that Noah doesn't do as good with them is just because he doesn't he, he doesn't seem to grasp the plate racing quite as well as Austin Hill does. I mean, this kid has a natural talent for it. Um, so I don't I don't just think Austin Hill's gonna make it. I think he could win the duel. Honestly. Okay. I mean I think that's I a good chance. Is. And honestly, another thing that I forgot to brought up was um Without the practice, you know, if some if one of these guys that can race in qualifying on speed has issues in their qualifying run, that can really shake things up. Because imagine having a problem that you could have fixed in practice, but oh well, there's no practice, so you go out and do your run, car breaks, now you have to race in, and then say something happens in the race, and you, you end up like Suarez did a few years ago, where you thought that he could easily race his way, and he didn't because somebody crashed coming to pit road, and it's like yeah. You never really know. I mean, it's it's weird to think about it like that, but it's, it's going to be a matter of whichever teams don't make any sort of mistakes or have any sort of mechanical gremlins in qualifying because it, it, what doesn't seem like a big deal ends up being a lot bigger when there's no practice because usually that's when you find that kind of stuff. Yeah, there was a point that I was just about to make, so I'm glad that you brought it up. Um is mechanical uh, failures. Um, that is something that I'm worried about as far as all six of these guys go because they're all open cars. They're not guaranteed in. Um, when it comes to outright speed, um, because Ford puts out a good motor for front row every time we go to these plate tracks, I'm not worried about Chains, uh, Zane Smith, Chandler Smith. I'm not worried about because Colleg is a fucking super speedway powerhouse in Xfinity, and you know, I'm sure we'll see them you know, come to terms with that this year, especially with the new nose on the Camaro. Austin Hill, as you guys have said, is probably a shoe in uh, uh, for the 500, as well as, you know, you, I mean, talking about winning the duels and stuff, he could he could definitely be a top 10 guy. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, I'm worried about because while Eric Jones is really good on super speedways, I'm not sure if we if we saw – a lot of speed last year from them overall other than Darlington and, and some of the later races, but spreading that across three cars now, it, it has me a little bit, you know, weird. And then him not getting practice, which is where Chad Canals and he really just screwed the field over all those years that he was good. Um, not getting practice before uh, qualifying. I don't think he's going to lock in on time. Honestly, no. uh, there's going to be something wrong with that car. I just have a feeling and he's going to make himself look bad by being in it. Um, and then Travis Pastrana, uh, being with 2311, Denny's really good. His team's really good when it comes to speedway racing. Um, 
I think he can lock in on speed without those mechanics. <clears throat> but I think wreck avoidance for Travis and Connor Daly are going to be the thing that kills them come dual time. So if they don't lock in on speed, they're not going to be going through a wreck if they if they have that opportunity to be in one. And I think that's what's going to keep them out. Uh, so, so that's that's where I'm at. I while we were chit chatting, I looked up Travis Pastrana's stats. He's only run one full time Xfinity Series season. Uh, he's only run three plate races in his career, but he has done it. His first one, he finished 10th, and that was at the opening Daytona race in 2013. Um, running at finish, got a top 10. The other two, he DNF'd, got in a crash both times, but he led laps in both of those races. And at Talladega, he won the pole. He won the pole at Talladega and then got crashed out on lap 71. Yep. Um, same thing with Daytona. was running well, lap 95 out of 110, crashed. Um, yeah. which you could also chalk that up to maybe not being his fault. I'd have to go back and look through the replay. Yeah. See where well, my biggest thing, though, is the next gen is not nearly as raceable as Gen 6 was at these tracks. So I don't know when it comes to when it comes to Travis, when it comes to Connor, when it comes to Jimmy, how that's going to all fold out. Even Zane Smith, as good as he is, um, I don't see how that you know, works its way out. I yeah. mean, with, with, with Zane Smith, he won the season opener at Daytona last year for the truck series. Right. Um, so he's, he's no stranger to victory lane at Daytona. Um, when it comes to legacy MC second race of the year at Fontana, Eric Jones was battling up on the front of the field for a good majority of the event. Um, that car had a lot more speed than I think people really put into it. Um, you, yeah, he, he won at Darlington and that, that was awesome, but they were no slouches all, all over the course of the season. I think what really kind of ruins it was the fact that Ty Dillon was in that 42 car. And I'm sorry, Ty Dillon's cool. Yeah. He is just – he had one good showing in a Cup Series car, and that was at Dover in 2017. And that was it. Um, you know, I, I, outside of that, I think that Legacy MC overall is going to have a pretty strong showing. Um, Jimmy knows what he's doing when it comes to, to strapping into a stock car, and I think that he's finally back in his element. Um, and then when it comes to Pastrana – he has one of the most successful Daytona drivers of all time as his boss. So right. I, I think that he's going to have a, a good amount of assistance. Bubba Wallace knows how to get around a racetrack um, and damn near won the 500 last season. Um, I, I think that the only driver that I really had the biggest issue with is going to be Connor Daly. I, I think everybody else that is showing up, to try and get a spot is a threat, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, if nobody has anything to add to that, we'll go on to the next part. Um, is somebody going to sweep the five hundred this year? Do we see somebody win all three stages? No chance. Anybody? Anybody can go first. Zero percent chance. Zero percent. That's really unlikely. Okay. So not a talking point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, so that's just, uh, <laughs> sorry, Alex. That was just a. I, I mean, I, I mean to, to be completely fair, I was honestly impressed as shit that Martin Truex Jr. swept the stages leading up into the final stage um, yeah. last season in the 500. Yeah. It is not a likely thing. Um, these drivers are so competitive. Um, these manufacturers, they have such a strong alliance with one another um, as far as Chevy, Chevy, Toyota, Toyota, and so on. Um, and these strategies are varying. I, I really don't see a way that there's only one driver that sticks among the rest. Um, and there's a lot of really, really intelligent drivers and engineers 
um, crew chiefs that are going to say, hey, listen, we're not going to go balls to the wall just yet. You know, we'll kind of chill for the first two stages. And then when it matters the most, we're all going to link up and get to the front of the field. Um, is there a possibility? Absolutely. There are some super strong contenders that are that are roaming around. Brad Keselowski, he is such a big sleeper. Um, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, a lot of the Fords I really do feel have the opportunity to be able to sweep all three. One of those guys I, I think can, can absolutely do it. And then, of course, I have no doubt in my mind that if you're going to bet on anybody, it'd be Denny Hamlin. Because um, yeah. there's never a moment where that guy's not duking out of the front of the field. Um, never really even got to see his full potential in last year's 500. Yeah, that that was, at, the, at the end of stage one. That was rough because I um, remember sitting there thinking, like, he should have bailed out and a month, a couple months later, he's like, yeah, I should have, I shouldn't have been racing there. Like yeah. he knew he wanted to get away, but he, he couldn't because he made some sort of promise to help the other Toyotas. He just yeah. didn't. So, yeah. I mean, overall, is it likely it's, it's low, but um, I'm not going to say there's no chance. So for me, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that, that their, their opinions are a thing because everybody has one. I think it's entirely possible, and it could be the first time that we see it. I think NASCAR's decision to make the choose cone a super speedway rule is going to make this a very dominated by one team race. I'm, I'm thinking back to fall of 2016, 2017, when that SHR had all four cars up front, and they were a mile and a half faster than everybody by themselves. Uh, over the pack. I'm thinking something like that's going to happen this year just based solely on choose cone strategy. So I, I feel like somebody is going to lead the last lap of all three stages. And I, could I mean, be wrong. Th- there's a very real possibility we see like a 2016 Daytona 500 where every Toyota was in a line. I mean, shit, even the beat up Carl Edwards car finished in the top five. So it's, it's a real possibility. Toyota has a really great strategy. And I think it was 2021 where they had their strategy really, really well enveloped. And then it kind of just fell apart at the end. Um, But Toyota, I think, has a really good possibility of of doing that. Yeah, well, I I agree. My my team that leads up front would be 2311 and and Denny. So, yes, uh, I would agree with that. All right. So coming off um, Super Speedway uh, racing over the last couple of years, there's two drivers that have won every race, had shit not happen to them. I'm going to let you lead off with this one, Colton. Um, can Ryan Blaney or Bubba Wallace finally get a 500 or, for Bubba's case, a Super Speedway win? I want to preface this by saying don't any of you motherfuckers jinx Ryan Blaney because <laughs> – when he came off turn four last year in the 500, I was at my Daytona 500 party, and I started cheering, he's going to win it, he's going to win it, and then Austin Sindrick happened. Um, so that, so just let's keep it all hypothetical. Yes, absolutely. They have a good shot, just as much as anyone else does. And I'm going to cross my fingers and hope and pray that no dumb shit happens this year. And I'm lady. <laughs> And finally get it, because he's been so close so many goddamn times. He's this generation's Dale Earnhardt, I swear to God. I don't know how many other ways he can lose it. He's been in prime position for, like, three of these fucking things. Yeah, I would agree with you on that regard. I think that it's very possible. It's just we don't know. Like, it's it's very easy to say that, you know, he, he's got an unlock, but he definitely doesn't. So I think that 
As for Bubba Wallace, I think that I will say that if he wins one, it will come at the expense of his owner because if you look at the way Hamlin races these tracks and you look at the way that Bubba races these tracks are two different ways. Bubba likes to lead every single lap. He likes to be up front all the time. And Hamlin's a little bit different. He likes to drop back. He kind of likes to pick and choose when to race, so to speak. So I think that in the event where 2311 or Toyota wants Hamlin to race up front all the time, every time he does that, he gets taken out, like without fail. You look at the 2022 500 where he was up front early, he gets taken out. You look at the Talladega races in the spring a few years ago, he gets taken out because he was racing up front before he actually wanted to be up there. I think that, honestly, when it comes to Bubba versus Blaney, I feel like Bubba might have a better shot because if he's got somebody behind him, like a Hamlin or he's got a Redick or whatever, all you're not going to turn him up on the on, on the trial. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I'm not jinxing you. <laughs> you want me to say you want me to say he's got it? Like I could easily do that. It's natural reaction. My yeah, bad. but honestly, I, I do think that. If you put them by themselves, I would say Blaney has a better shot. But I think that 2311 is going to try and do something a little bit different than what their boss does. They're going to try and lead every single lap. Yeah. I mean, head-to-head, Blaney has the advantage, in my opinion. But if we're putting them in a field with 34 other drivers together, um, Ryan Blaney is a notorious teammate pushover. Um, he is too much of a team player, doesn't do enough for himself. And we've seen it time and time and time again. The fact that this man has actually won plate races amazes me because I would have thought that he would push his teammate there first. Bubba Wallace, he is a selfish motherfucker, and I love it. He is all about him. He's all about getting to the front of the field. And if you're going to come along with them, go for it, but you better make sure that you're behind me. So Bubba Wallace, I think if we're going to put them head-to-head, Bubba's probably got the better chance just based off his aggression. I remember the, the, uh, the 2021 duel. He was just so aggressive in that DoorDash car, sliding around, throwing that car around like it didn't even matter. He drove it like he stole it. And um, I know he, he damn near won that duel, and he almost won the 500 last year. There is a real possibility that 23 car finds victory lane um, in just a couple weeks here. Yeah, I, I think the the reason that I, that I posted both of these as as some some people were talking about is because I feel like Daytona owes both Bubba and Blaney a win there. Um, it, specifically, the 500 for for Ryan Blaney, but but this has been Bubba's track to lose for for seasons on. And, I mean, we saw him do what he did and go from 11th to 1st in six laps to win Talladega. He's He's got the car. He's got the mindset being in that 2311 car. Um, he can do it. Blaney, like you guys said, has got to not be a pushover and then just not have bad luck. Um, that, that's the way he's going to win. These two guys, I think, are who's going who's gonna to be the two that it comes down to to winning if luck goes their way because I just feel like Something in the back of my mind is like, just Daytona owes these guys this, and this could be the year that it gets done. Um, one more driver to focus on before we get into our season worth of picking winners. Uh, Kevin Harvick's sponsor is going to be so gracious and give $2 million to a fan if 
he wins the Daytona 500. So he's won it before. I mean, he's no no shot of victory lane here. But do you guys think that he can do it um, on whatever two Sundays from now is? This is a good question. I honestly think that it doesn't seem super likely because you don't normally think of him as a super speedway racer. But I also think that he is kind of slept on in that regard because if you look at the last couple seasons, he's honestly – in 2021, I know it was a completely different package, but he was running in the top five at the white flag on every single super speedway. And then I think this year, or this past year, he was obviously in the top 10 toward the end of the 500. He got taken out in one of the, the trioval crashes. I don't know which one it was, but he did get taken out right in front of my eyes. Um, I don't really remember where he ran in the Atlanta races, but Daytona, he was kind of victim of time and circumstance kind of like everybody was i know that he wasn't really sure where he ran at talladega but i do think that he can definitely contend if he has the luck because he's been running at the finish more often than not in these races it's just a matter of can he actually get lucky or not so i think i'd give him i'd give him a decent chance but i wouldn't call him favorite by any means yeah i mean i would definitely agree um I remember last season, I actually picked him as my 500 winner um, when we were having a conversation around this time, um, just one season ago. Um, but Kevin Harvick, he is very Matt Kenseth-esque in the sense that he doesn't tear up the shit, he keeps himself in the game, and he never allows himself to get too far away from the front of the field. He's always just lurking. And you don't really think of him as the guy that's going to win. But if he got up there and won, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, my God, Kevin Harvick. They'd be like, of course, Harvick. So $2 bucks for a chance? Shit. That ain't a bad deal at all. I think it's, it's possible. It's plausible. Might be probable. Well, I mean, we'll see how the last couple laps go. But like you guys said, he always seems to kind of be there. Um, it's just a matter of circumstances, what it's going to come down to. We know he can get it done. Um, the 2021 Daytona um, July race, he, he should have won. He was in the best position, I think, of any car um, and ultimately got turned going into turn three. Um, like you said, Nate, last year he was taken out. I believe it was in the Stenhouse crash. Um, yeah. But it was one of those late ones. He was running up front. He always does really well. Um, it seems like of the plate tracks and of the the drafting tracks now that we got Atlanta, um, Daytona is definitely his best. I don't know, just something about it. Maybe just the tighter confines. He feels like he can maneuver around a little bit without the big slide jobs. Um, it he's got a decent shot. I don't know if it's if I if I bet on him, but we'll see. I think it would be a storybook ending uh, to his career to to win another five hundred. I don't see it happening though. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scan in the win, uh, when, when they, when they, when they put the promotion on, uh, during the duels or whatever, uh, just in case, cause I want to win 500 or I want to win uh, $2 million, but yeah, I don't see it. Kevin Harvick is definitely not my pick. I don't feel like it is his year. If anything, I feel like he's going to win another Atlanta race just to say that this track is still my home, uh, my house. Uh, I don't care what they do to it. It's mine. Um, and, uh, that, that'll be it. Um, and then of course I see him, I don't know, winning it 
a normal Kevin Harvick style track on a mile and a half. I just don't see him winning a, uh, <clears throat> a regular Super Speedway race this year. But anyways, that is it. Um, we are going to go through our winners. We picked every single race and did the playoffs for this year. Um, so kind of how I wanted to do this was just kind of focus on whatever you guys wanted to focus on um, as far as, okay, I think this is going to happen, whatever. Um, for Before we get to do that, I want you guys to brew, kind of see what your trends are, see what you want to highlight about your winners, uh, about everybody else's with the, uh, with the, with the show, show or the spreadsheet brought up or whatever. Um, first and foremost, we're going to Daytona. We're not having a show next week because it would be during qualifying. So let's go ahead and do our Daytona picks. Uh, it seems like we've only really got two. So, uh, Colton, I'll let you go first. So, um, for the 500, I got Bubba winning. Um, are we doing duels right now? You going over? No, we're, doing, we're doing. We're doing. 500. So you got. We, okay. You got Bubba. The three of us got put Blaney. So what's the difference between Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney for you? Because I'm a Blaney fan and I know how this shit works. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. That's what I did. No other, no other reason. <laughs> That's I, did. Okay. I actually, I, I knew that Hamlin, I knew Hamlin was going to win that race, but on the spreadsheet, I'm like, I'm going to put Logano because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just happening. So on the spreadsheet, the rest of us have got Ryan Blaney. Is there anything that we can add to what we've already talked about of why we wanted to put him as winner, Nathan, Keith, myself? No, I mean, I, I, I think that we we all hit it. I mean, we know he's capable of winning. Like, he is a former Daytona winner. Um, he is a pretty solid plate racer. So, I, I think that everybody has in mind. I mean, shit, I, I even went on, on, on DraftKings, and he is the odds-on favorite right now. Okay, and cool. There, everybody there, agrees. There's not any plausible reason to sit here and say – that Ryan Blaney doesn't have one of, if not the best chance to win the 500. I've got one reason. Austin Sendrick's front bumper. Yeah. some <laughs> Or Mark Brad Keselowski's. Yeah, yeah, for real. Mark my right, words, well, if he loses, it's because of some bullshit. It's not going to be yeah. because they were running 25th. It's going to yeah. be some bullshit. I think we can all agree with that. Um, so it seems like the industry even in the yeah. – the sports books say it, it, it's the industry's on, on his back for this one. So uh, Blaney's race to lose, it looks like. Um, so I'll go ahead and start off. My trend um, was a breakout year from William Byron. I have him winning the spring Atlanta race, the spring Martinsville race, um, the July Atlanta race, uh, and then Martinsville and Phoenix at the end of the year. So – I think he's going to be our 2023 champion. Um, go ahead and argue that away from me. Uh, well, the reason I'm arguing against that is because Tyler Reddick. That's really the only reason. Um, I've, I couldn't really decide on a champion this year. Um, it seems like every even year I get the champion, but every odd year I don't. So probably doesn't bode well for me. But out of the final four I had, I feel like Reddick's got a really good chance because – Toyota has said all offseason that they improved on short and flat tracks. That's their goal. And if the clash is any indication, then then this is going to be really good for them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that because you saw what he did last year with RCR. And 
in all honesty, if you took those cars right now, you'd probably have to say that the Toyotas were faster than the Chevys on the intermediates last year for the most part. So I feel like Reddit can only go up from where he was last year because he had almost a dozen finishes outside the top 20 and he still won three times. So uh, I'm pretty so you're looking You're looking for a breakout year from him as well. Yeah. Oh, he broke out last year, but I think it's well, just yeah, but even like, better. <laughs> you, like, it's hard to bet against you. You don't have him winning very many, but I think you, your uh, your winners are a little bit different because yeah. I think I got him winning five you did times. a different format. You yeah. got him winning five times. So I've yeah, got Byron winning title. five times and being the dominant driver. Keith, um, who was your dominant driver this year uh, just bef- before we get into specific wins? Um. I remember correctly, I believe the driver that I had. That one, Colton? I, I believe the driver that I had winning the most this season was going to be Ryan Blaney. Okay, um, um, and I, I think a, a close second was going to be Martin Truex. I agree with the Truex one strongly. I had him with four wins this year. I, I um, and I was going through the list and I'm looking and I'm just like, he almost won that race. He almost won that race. He almost won that race. Yeah. Um, and this was before the clash happened that I put this list out and he great. went, he wanted the clash and I was like, Oh shit, he's back. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, so, I think overall it's, 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 it's going to be a Blaney kind of year. Yeah. So Keith's got five wins for Blaney as well. And Truex is on there only twice. Yeah. Um, but Something that scared me about um, Truex is I saw Fox post something where he was asked a question, um, what's different this year? He just said, I'm mad. That's that's the two short words that scared the shit out of me if I'm any of his competitors. Because that means he's coming on and he's going to put on a a 2019-style show, I guess. Colton, who was your breakout five to whatever win started this year? My breakout and – you mentioned it. I changed one because I meant to change it because I did this at break at work and never got around to it. Um, but my breakout driver is going to be Tyler Reddick. I have him winning six races this year, ultimately losing the championship come the end, but I think he's going to have a stellar year. Um, we saw him, once he got that first win, just like so many other drivers, was clicking him off. Um, and not just at road courses, but he was doing it at Oles too. Um, we saw him get the Texas win. I, and he was really dominant at quite a bit of races and probably should have had at least one or two more wins last season. So I think he's going to grab six wins that just fall short of the championship. Yeah. Okay. Well, Another one that's... I had to say is that I guess a weird one is obviously if you look at my winner's list, I had, I think I had Reddick with five, I had Truex with four, I had Larson with four maybe. I think I know I had some, I had several people with three, like Bell three. I think I had a couple others, but I feel like, Chastain will probably be my pick for most consistent, despite only having two wins. Because if you look at okay. last year, I mean, he was top five after top five after top five. I mean, he just racked them up. But he never really dominated that many races. Even the races he won, he kind of just came from nowhere. So yeah. I think that he's going to – I think he could honestly win the regular season title without winning that many races just by virtue of being consistent and – I also think that Reddick is, despite being the fastest, he's still kind of younger. I think that there's going to be some natural inconsistencies there. Right. So it seems like um, we all have a similar trend of we don't have that many winners this year. Is that a safe bet to say that everybody's on the same line that we're going to have less than 
uh, the 17 that we had last year, so less than 16. We're going to have some points, guys, in the, in the playoffs. Actually, yeah. I have 17 winners on my list. I have 16 winners before Daytona. Okay. I think I have the same. I want to say it was 15 or 16 before Daytona and then one or two after. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I definitely had quite a few. Um, I don't think <laughs> that we're going to see that dip that – Mm-hmm. some of the analysts were talking about in terms of, okay, everybody got a year under their belts and, you know, here we are because let's face the facts. There was a driver that did not win at all last year that has already won a race this year. And I know it was just an exhibition race, but Martin Truex Jr. was winless this the last season and now he's already got himself right. a win under his belt this year. Um, I don't think we're going to have that season where you're going to see one driver rise above the rest. Um, I, I really do believe we're going to have probably about like three or four drivers win three or four races. Um, but outside of that, I really see a lot of one and two win seasons for quite a few drivers. Um, I, I, I don't know if I actually put it down on, on my list. I think I, I dabbled with the idea of Ricky Stenhouse winning at Talladega. Um and it's just there's so much parity when it comes to this season um as far as all of our drivers are concerned um you have a lot of talent right now there's so much talent and i look at every single race and i'm like that guy could win this race i know he won this race last season but that guy almost won that race there's so many different options that you can go with as far as who can win a race who can be competitive who won't be um, it's really, really hard for me to just sit here and pick a driver that's going to dominate because I don't think it's going to happen. Honestly, I'd agree. I think that there's still going to be a lot of winners. I just don't think they're all going to – there's not going to be as many small team winners, if you will. Like, I think that there will still be a good number of drivers winning, but it's just – it's not going to be – like, there's no, you might not have a front row car winning. You might not have a legacy car winning. You might not have – a call it car winning, so to speak. It's just, I think that every, well, maybe not every, I think every Hendrick driver wins. I think probably every track house and 2311 driver wins because there are only two cars. I think three of the four Gibbs cars win. And then from then on out, I think the remaining winners will be just different people like Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, yeah. you know, some different people. But I, I don't see, I don't see the smaller teams doing as well. I can attest to that. Um, I I don't see very much from the smaller teams, and and as I say that, I do see we do have a resurgence uh, of a team. You know, like last year, I wouldn't call it a resurgence, but but Trackhouse won three races. Um, I myself, I have both of the RFK guys getting a win. Um, I have Busher at Talladega in the spring, and Kozlowski at Talladega in the fall. Uh, Kozlowski not being a part of the uh, playoffs, I don't think. Um, so that's it. Um, do you guys want to tell me something about your picks um, that Why you not? think we should talk about? Uh, specific race or a specific driver yeah. that you're looking at this year? Um, if not, I got plenty in the back to, to yeah. keep this. I've always I've wanted to gauge where everyone's at on this, but I have Harvick winning one race in his final year, and I have him winning at Pocono because – if you look at the summer last year, he was honestly at his best in the summer. And I think he was pretty quick at Pocono, but he got taken out toward the end. 
by the whole Chastain incident. And he was he won, the, I think, the next week in Michigan anyways after a couple of the dominant cars had issues. So I think that I can see a race where he runs top five or whatever, and the faster cars ahead of him just run into problems, and he's always the guy that can avoid problems. So I think he's going to pick up a win somewhere in the summer just based off of capitalizing off somebody's mistakes like he did last year. And I think Pocono is going to be the place. Okay. Um, for me, when it came to him, um, I have him winning fall Vegas, but I don't see any summer races. So I know he won at Michigan um, last year, I think. I can't remember. Um, so obviously it's big tracks. But I, I've got him winning at Vegas because – that's the closest thing to old Atlanta and old Atlanta was his house. So I feel like as a send off, that's the perfect place for him to get his final win. Colton, what about you with Harvick? I have him winning Richmond. Um, that will be his last win. It'll probably be just on a strategy call. Um, I just, I didn't see a ton of speed from him last year, apart from those few weeks in the summer. Um, granted SHR as a whole was kind of slower last year. But I don't see him picking up that much more this season. And Keith, it doesn't look like you have him winning this year. Um, I don't. So, what is your decision for that? Um, I the reasoning think, for that decision, I should say. Um, I'm feeling that Kevin Harvick's wins last season were awesome. They were really fucking cool. Um, but to be completely honest with you, neither one of them should have happened. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Bubba Wallace should have gone out and won Michigan. He was on a rocket ship. <laughs> um, and then Richmond's I, I, <sighs> Christopher Bell was eating his lunch at the end of that thing. And if he had another lap, it was it was a wrap. Um, so I, I don't even think he should have won both races. Am I happy he won? Absolutely. But I, I think that we're at a point in time right now. I think. If there's going to be any race that Kevin Harvick is going to go out and win at, it would probably end up being Michigan again, um, just for the sole factor that he is an absolute beast at that racetrack. Um, but I just I don't think that he's going to seal a deal at any point this season. So, which is unfortunate, but I don't I just don't see him having that same that same spirit at the end of the season that we saw last year. Okay, I mean I can agree with that. I mean it's. I have him winning late just because, you know, Jeff Gordon won late in his his final season, but this could be a Jimmy Johnson final season kind of year where he's just not there. Um, I don't even know. I'll have to look at my playoff bracket, but I don't know that I have Harvick in the playoffs, and I don't. So, um, oh, I do. I do have him in there on points. So, never mind. I'll roll that back. But, yeah, um, it's he's sunsetting his career a little bit way later than prime years, in my opinion. So it would not surprise me if you're correct that he doesn't win. I mean, would I want him to win? Absolutely. These are all just predictions of a dude that's sitting on a wicker seat talking about NASCAR. I'm not Rodney Childers up on, on top of the box, giving him a rocket ship or anything. You know, this is all just things that I can base only so much off of as anybody here can. Um, based on the information that we've got from last season and the knowledge we have about the sport, the tracks, the drivers, there's only so much we can go off of before we can really make a true decision. And it comes down to who can really get the job done. Um, 
but I would love to see Kevin Harvey get at least one win in, in his send-off season for sure. All right. Well, so, Keith, I'll, I'll extend the question to you uh, while we're already on you. Um, track or car that you want to talk about with these winners? I mean, track or car, track or driver. Jesus. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be completely honest with you, I have no idea what I even put. Um, I, I know I had Blaney for, for, for a definite win um, at the 500. Outside of that, I fucking blanked because I was like, ah, oh, he could do that, he could do that, he could do that. And I don't have the list available in front of me right now. Um, but I, I do believe um, – I, I feel pretty confident in, in my Ryan Blaney picks. Um, okay. I, I have him coming on strong in the playoffs. I think that he's finally going to put himself in a position where he's going to be pretty damn quick. And I do believe that I actually have Brad Keselowski winning the spring Talladega race. It um, looks like you do. Yeah. And that's just, I think Brad is just too damn good of a plate racer not to get a win this season. Um, I think he'll, he'll get his maiden win as a, owner driver um I, i'm pretty sure that i have chase briscoe winning one of the road courses this year later on it's either indy or it's Watkins Glen. It's, it's indy yeah and i think that would be so damn cool for the indiana native to go and get himself a win at indy um that would be super super sick um i think i have almondinger winning at least two races this year um there's going to be a lot of parody, but I think at the same time that parody brings on predictability. I think the drivers that you think are going to do well are going to do well, um, which I'm really, really excited about. You guys got any rebuttals to his points? No, not really. I just have some tidbits about predictions that I guess I'll share. Um, First of all, I only have the defending champ winning one points race. I have him winning the all-star race, and then I have him winning the gateway. But I've always followed the trend of he never seems to make the final four in an odd number season. So I think he'll make the round of eight on one win and then pretty much end it right then and there. Um, as for other people that I think are interesting, I think, like I said, Truex, I have him winning multiple playoff races. I think he just misses the final four because Reddick is going to win at Las Vegas and he's going to finish second. And that's ultimately going to be the difference there. And when it comes to drivers that maybe aren't on everybody's radar. I have Alex Bowman barely missing the round of eight. I think that Blake Harris is a serious asset in terms of a crew chief. I mean, you saw what he did with McDowell in years past. I think that Bowman is solid enough to take advantage of that. I don't think he's going to win four or five races, but I think he's going to win one race and he is just going to silently sneak toward the round of eight and kind of just sneak through the playoffs to where He's, he's kind of capitalizing on other people's misfortunes. So I think that he'll make it a little bit further than people think. Okay, so he's probably going to be like the Christopher Bell of, of this past season. Yeah, just a slower version, I think, because Bell's yeah. – I mean, I think Bell's going to be fast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Colton, uh, any notable tracks or drivers this year? Um, the only real notable I won that I have – I mean, obviously I have Almondinger winning about two-thirds of the road courses – um, I think Suarez will get it done in the Coke 600. Okay. I think he had a lot of speed and a lot of potential last year to get it done on several ovals, and I think he will get it done this year in the longest race of the year. I will tell you, um, I'm not going to agree with you because we don't jinx in this household. Um, the 2020 race that I went to, the fastest car on track 
was Daniel Suarez. He was just trapped two laps down because of that early tire and not having a single uh, caution other than the stage breaks. That's the only reason Kyle Larson won that race. Um, so I'll agree with you. Charlotte is his track if he's going to do it on Noble. Um, for myself, at Charlotte, I think the hometown kid's going to get it done, and the longest race of the year is going to be won by Ty Gibbs. Ooh, this is a bold one right here. I honestly, yeah. this year I went with Christopher Bell in the 600 because I think that he was quick in that race last year. He was starting to move toward the top three at the end, but he had a tire go down under green. He went a lap down, and then he restarted 15th on the final restart. He finished fifth. So I think that he had a really good car, but things just didn't go his way. And you look at how he won the races last year, it was execution. Like, he wasn't always the fastest car in any of the races he won, but he won because other teams would give races away. Like, you look at the 11 team gave Martinsville away with bad pit stops. I think they, they gave up another race on pit road, too, that Bell also won. So I think the 20 team is not going to make any mistakes. Other teams are going to make mistakes. They're going to find themselves winning the race. Ty Gibbs, I think he's top 20 in points as a rookie. I don't see him winning, but I think top 20 is – would be pretty good for him. I have him also winning in the first round at Kansas. Ooh. So I yeah. think the 45 car is going to win Kansas basically three times in a row. And then I've got Bubba winning the first Kansas. So I think 2311 has cemented that track is theirs. Another notable race um, I want to talk about is Coda and Chicago, the street course. Three out of the four of us have put Almendinger in those <laughs> Uh, for our winner slots. Uh, I think Colton just said something about Suarez getting it done at Coda, which would be yeah. payback for last year when he got totally screwed uh, on that restart. Um, but Reddick is Keith's pick for Chicago Street Course. Why? Um, after what I saw last season um, with Indy, I feel like Indy is going to resemble Chicago, or Chicago is going to resemble Indy in that, in that fact. Flat, fast, technical turns um and he put on a fucking clinic at indy and he definitely proved to be a very very strong contender at the road courses this season won at road america for his first career race win and then he was convincingly fast at indy all weekend long um i really do feel that he's gonna throw that 45 car out on the track he's just gonna be fantastic um i, I think that it's gonna fit into his wheelhouse he's gonna be quick 40, the 45 team um, is just going to be a force we reckon with this season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, guess yeah. on I don't Suarez. disagree with that. Like I think I think this move is the best move that he could have made. Um, and you could say it's 100%. lateral. Just because you could say it's lateral just because he's not going to the top Toyota team, but I think 2311 is the top Toyota team uh, moving forward. I think, the change of, I think the change of the guard is happening right now yeah. in the Toyota field. I also um, say I think I had Suarez winning Coda, right? No, you had Almendinger winning Coda. Uh, okay. Everybody did except – oh, no, you were the one with Suarez. Okay. Yeah, you? I did Suarez. I, I, do think that, yeah. I do think that Suarez's best chance at Oval was Pocono. I think that I was kind of torn between picking Suarez or Harvick at Pocono. And I think Suarez, he was, I think, third last year. Even in 2021 when Trackhouse was a brand-new tiny team, he got top 15s in both the doubleheader races, I think. He was second there in one of his years with Joe Gibbs. I mean, I think he had some decent runs there with SHR too. So 
I don't know why it is, but something about him at Pokemon, it makes me think he's going to contend there. All right. Um, I think the next person that I want to talk about is a name that I don't see very much on this um, on this spreadsheet. The only place that it looks like everyone's almost unanimous at is the Charlotte Roval, um, where I have Austin Cindric taking the win, which is uh, probably not going to happen. But I just if he's going to win it, he's going to win it there. Uh, Chase Elliott um, for the rest of you guys at the Charlotte Roval. But you guys don't have Chase on the board very much, and I don't either. So why do we all feel like Chase Elliott is not going to win that much this year? I think Keith has the most wins with four, and the rest of us are, are one or two wins. I mean, I picked four. I think um, I picked him winning the Coke 600, Martinsville, um, yeah. the Roval race, and I think right. I had him winning the Glen at the Glen. The Glen. Um, I feel that he's going to have a road course resurgence. I think he's pissed as shit um, for not winning a, a road course race last season when he probably should have won at least two or three of them. Definitely, uh, not definitely, but he should have probably had a, a win at uh, Road America. Um, should have won at Watkins Glen. Should have won at the Roval, but we're not going to talk about that because it brings up really bad memories. Um, Coke 600, I think, is a really solid race for him. Um, damn near won the Coke 600 in 2020 if it weren't for the situation he had with Pit Road. Um, and Martinsville, he was super solid in, in the spring race last season. Um, was really quick. And if it weren't for how pit stops worked and William Byron getting by, and then it was just a passing shit show, um, I think that he probably would have won that race as well. Um, but overall, I think the reason why everybody else doesn't really have him too much is – there's just too many heads in the hen house. I think there's so much competitive spirit from a lot of different drivers. And I think that when it comes down to it, Chase does have a hard time closing it out. I mean, look at the playoffs last season after winning the regular season title. I know that there was quite a bit of bad luck, but there was also some race where he was just flat out off. Southern 500 off. Las Vegas off. Homestead off. Um... I, I just think they need a little bit more cadence to really uh, achieve what they need to achieve. Um, but, you know, I, I think four wins is, is appropriate for a driver that should be, as the most popular driver, um, should be one of the best drivers in the sport. Yeah, I think that consistency will be his thing. I have him win it three times, but much like Ross Chastain, I think that he's just going to top ten everyone to death. You know, okay, I can see that. Larson, I think they'll alternate every year. Like one year, Larson's faster, one year, Elliott's faster. I think that'll continue. Colton, you've only got him winning um, Atlanta outside of the Roval. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to add to why we don't see him yeah, as just, dominant? Just like Keith said, I think Chase has kind of a hard time closing the deal out. I think the execution of the team isn't always there, whether it's through pit mistakes or whether it's just through uh, maybe a bad decision on track. Um, I still think he's going to get it done in Atlanta. I think he's going to back-to-back those races. Um, I think he's going to get it done in the Roval just because he kicks ass there every single time he goes. Um, but other than that, I think parity hurts Chase Elliott more than most other big-name drivers just because I feel like in the, the Gen 6, you know, 2020, 2021, Hendrick was so dominant, and that's why we saw Chase up front so much. Um, same with why we saw Larson up front so much. I think the parity is going to – 
really hurt them more than it will a lot of other teams. Now, granted, Hendrick is going to catch up in these next few years and get back to right where they were because Rick is a multi-billionaire and can afford to do that. Um, and he will do that. I just think it's going to take him a little while. I think Chase's talent will get him a couple wins. I think his execution is going to lose him a few more, though. But like Nate said, I think he's going to do just what he did last year and just top 10 the entire field to death. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with all that. I think the last thing before we go is our championship four drivers, any any notable playoff drivers, and who is the champion. And I'll go ahead and start that off. I have A.J. Allmendinger making it to the round of eight and being the first guy out, Truex being one of the ones out, and, and Reddick as well as Chastain. Um, and then my championship four drivers are Bell, Logano, Hamlin, and then William Byron. And like I said earlier in the show, I feel like he is going to be the champion. I don't know. This is totally based on feelings. No merit from last year or anything. I mean, he was good at Martinsville. Uh, he, he knocked off that win when, when we went to July. or Yeah, it was July Atlanta that he knocked the other one off. So, I mean, it, I just – I don't know. I have a feeling that it's it's uh, it's not going to be 2020. 23 and 2023. I think it's going to be 24 and 2023. So I guess my final four was uh, I had Reddick, Elliott, Chastain, and Larson. I think Truex is going to be the first guy out. Um, I think that he's going to finish second at Las Vegas and finish second at Homestead. And I think that those points positions, I think he's going to miss it by like one or two points. And I think had he won one of those two round of eight races, he will win. <laughs> but as for – the reason I picked Reddick, I don't really have a rhyme or reason. Out of the four guys I picked, I couldn't decide. Um, I could see Truex winning the race at Phoenix, but somebody else winning the title. Um, okay. I think that it's going to be really tight between Truex and Chastain for that final spot at Homestead, or Phoenix, my bad, for the final spot at Phoenix. And I, I just ultimately think that something's going to take Truex out of it. And out of the four guys I picked, I think all of them are capable of Phoenix. I think obviously Elliot and Larson are very good there, but part of me goes with Reddick because I think if Toyota's really improved on the shorter flat tracks, I think that if you give Tyler Reddick the car, just let him cook. Like I think that he's pretty easy to trust. Yeah. Colton, go ahead. So I have any surprises I have, I'll go over real quick. I have Bubba Wallace not only making the playoffs, but making the round of 12. Um, I think bad luck strikes him out from making it to the round of eight, but I think he's more than capable um, should the team be able to execute. I have Amendinger making it to the round of eight, and honestly, it was tough not putting him in the final four. I think AJ has the talent. He has the experience. Um, I think AJ is a real sleeper pick for a lot of people this season. Um, colleagues fast, and they're getting faster. Um so we'll see how that plays out. My final four drivers, I have Ross Chastain, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano. I think he's going to make it in Ogdeer. And then Denny Hamlin with the championship ultimately coming down to Denny being moved out of the way by Ross. I think Denny has, <laughs> has done nothing to, to mitigate any of this. And I think it's only going to continue to keep biting him in the ass. I'm going to just be real with you. I might off myself if that happened. I really I don't know. That just... That's just Alex that would be sunsets. that would be the worst, absolute worst way to end this season out. God, honestly, God. yeah. I mean, I think it'd be bad, but at the same time, I think that it's good that Denny's finally starting to grow on people because 
and you know, if this happened five years ago, people would have laughed at him, but maybe now people might actually feel bad for him. If if Ross does that shit like on the last lap and it's between him and Denny, we might just have to shut the podcast down. <laughs> I'll, I'll be done. Like I, I would, I'll be like, I, if I, the racing gods hate me, if there's an opportunity and if these guys become one, two in the, in somehow in the final race at Phoenix and Denny's in front, Ross is going to send him back to fucking Charlotte. I think if it's the opposite, I think Denny just moves him. I don't think Denny is going to clean Ross out. Whereas I think Ross would absolutely sail it in no breaks and just use Denny as a fucking bumper. I hate it because you're right. I mean, right. I think think Chastain will race smarter this year in the points races because I thought (laughs) last year at Vegas that he was going to take Logano out on a bad block. Because that's he was over tires and he didn't. That's fair. I was like, okay, I'm surprised. But that's fair. at the same time, I think he's still going to get into like sloppy accidents, like Gateway and Martinsville, Keselowski, all that kind of stuff. But I do think that if you put him in that situation, all of the intelligence that he might have learned is just going to get thrown out. He's going to forget it. See, I'm the opposite. I still think he's not going to be able to get out of his own way, but he's going to know enough to execute when it matters. That may make that makes sense. I think it's gonna be a Logano type thing where it's um, he's he can perfectly he's perfectly okay with the weapon he just doesn't do it until he has to. That's fair. All right, Keith. Keith. Down to you. So, bud. as far as Final Four drivers are concerned, I see us getting two repeat drivers in the Final Four and two first-time drivers in the Final Four. My two. My two repeats are going to be Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. Um, and my two first-timers are going to be Ryan Blaney and Tyler Reddick. Um, I think that Tyler Reddick doesn't have anything to lose. Hopping into a brand-new race car for him with a solid team, and he showed a lot of poise in 2022. And I feel that he's going to bring the heat in the biggest way possible. Um, but I think finally, finally, I really do believe that Ryan Blaney gets himself his first career title. Um, and to be completely honest, it might be his only career title, but I think that this is going to be it. I think that he is finally going to have everything come together in that jambalaya pot, and he is going to get himself a championship, um, especially considering where we're going. Phoenix, he was a good teammate. He never should be a good teammate ever again. I'm sorry. You did your job. You were fantastic for as long as you did it. You could have gotten yourself a race win at Phoenix, but no, you decided to sit back and help Joe Logano win the championship. Great job. Pat on the back. Where's your trophy? Oh, that's right. You don't have one. So he is superb at Phoenix. He's been super, super quick there. It doesn't matter what package, what car. He's up at the front battling. And I do believe that at the end of everything, it's going to be Ryan Blaney winning the championship over Tyler Reddick. Okay. Well, um, I'd love to see it. I mean, I think we all are fans of Ryan Blaney in some capacity on the podcast. He's a, he's hard not to like. Um, so, I mean, that's a great, uh, I do want to say, I appreciate you putting Tyler down there. He's my next favorite driver. Um, so I'm trying to break the curse, Tyler, if you're watching, um, I, I don't have any of your merch. I have not ordered your name for any of these picks. 
and I will not because I'm not going to do to you what I did to Mark Martin or Denny Hamlin. We're going to try our hardest not to do that, okay? So just as a preface, I will be excited if it happens, but I'm not going to make any sort of bets that it will. There you go. All right, I said that. I, I aired my shit to the universe. Hopefully my bad juju's off. Sorry, Denny. Sorry, Mark. Uh, my third ever favorite driver. Let's let's make it let third time's a charm. Let's do it. Um, so thank you for putting them in there, Keith, because I sure as hell ain't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that about sums it up for uh, today's show. Everything that we have here, we will revisit after Phoenix to see if we got our winners right, if we got our playoffs right, um, and whatnot. And that should be fun to see at the end of the year. Um, so I guess it's time to head out for tonight uh does anybody have any final thoughts before we hit the towel no i think i think it's just uh happy super bowl week all right well in that case uh i will go ahead and yeah one i racing bathroom still hour is this weekend we'll be over on fanfield gaming on last fanfield game uh, the entirety of the race, I'll be starting to get to in the four hours online and the first day again. I'll have Terry Freer, I'm going to have and Matt Yost, who most recently seen on the podcast, taking us to the checkered flag. That'll be fun. Um, as well as no show next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is Daytona 500 qualifying. We're not going to want to uh, miss that ourselves, so we wouldn't want you missing that for us either. So don't don't come here expecting something next week. We'll see you in two weeks after the Daytona 500 for the recap that. And announcing the return of the Pick 4 Fantasy Series on Facebook.com slash r Pick 4 Fantasy Series this year. We're doing a similar format. You can find rules over there. Uh, pick 4 drivers, as stated in the name. Uh, you can only pick them once per six-race segment. Really simple. Uh, and if you win it, uh, you won't win anything. But if you win... Ours and our friends over at LTC's fantasy series, who who's doing a very similar format. Uh, myself, Colton, uh, Jacob, and Cody from over there are putting a hundred dollars. If you can win both series, that's four hundred dollar payout. If you can win both series, so go check us out on Facebook.com/slash/r or slash uh, Pick Four Fantasy Series. Everything's capitalized with the number four. Or go to LCT or LTC's damn um, Facebook or. Uh, Twitter page. They've got links to their Discord over there as well. Uh, other than that, we will see you guys in two weeks. Enjoy Daytona 500 qualifying next week. Uh, I'm Alex. This is Colton, Keith, and Nathan, and we are out. <laughs>